Hello, this is Dan Kurtzke, and tonight we're going to take a look at Green Lantern Mosaic number 6. This is the Jon Stewart solo series from the early 1990s, and number 6, it's a simpler issue, you know, it's it leans more heavily on cliché, although there is a point to that. Two, two points actually, but we'll get to that. John is taking a break from everything mosaic-y to help Kilowog with, uh, well, he's got some problem recruits, Boudicca and Creon. Now, ironically, both of these characters would go on to be part of the Lost Lanterns, that group of survivors who everyone thought Hal Jordan killed on his way to Oa during Emerald Twilight. I think everybody knows who Boudicca is, though this is a Boudicca who still has both hands and isn't yet a cybernetic failure, a.k.a. Alpha Lantern. Um, but Creon's one that doesn't get much attention, or much mention, really, especially since he was killed off shortly after Jeff Johns brought the group back. It was actually, like, I want to say an issue after they were found. It's it's in that uh, Revenge of the Green Lanterns story arc. He's the blonde-haired guy with the gold forearm and the gold eye. He's a military man, and those are prosthetic. Anyway, Creon and Boudicca can't seem to work together. Boudicca's the uber-feminist in this one, and she's deeply offended by Creon's group-minded military view of combat, which she sees as just another excuse for men to heap the chains of oppression onto a strong woman. There's even a line in here where she says the best way to fight is with, and I quote, "...every drop of estrogen." And Creon hates Boudicca just as much for rejecting everything he knows about life through combat and basically ridiculing him for staying true to it. Now remember, there's still only a handful of Green Lanterns, and this is their big push to start rebuilding the core, and stuff like this isn't helping them all that much. You know, so John uses his ring to link the two Lanterns' minds together and have a big ol' action scene in a shared mind space. That's actually the second one of those this book has done in, what, like three issues. And they're fighting literal representatives of what they hate about each other. You know, Boudicca's struggling against a group of featureless men wielding chains, and they're literally trying to bind her. And Creon is fighting this large Amazonian woman who looks actually a lot like Fire from the Justice League International. You know, she's the, she's the, like the Human Torch, but green, basically. Both fights are going horribly until the two lanterns have this amazing revelation that, may, hey, maybe they should try switching opponents and win instantly. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good idea, right? Um, it's also worth noting that everyone Boudicca and Creon fought in the mind space was naked, highlighting that the conflict between Boudicca and Creon was as much about men versus women as it was about conflicting combat ideologies. The chainmen were blank white, no real features, all the anatomy of a Ken doll, and they exercised their dominance by literally chaining up the one woman in sight who dared to be strong. 
Um, the woman who looked like fire spoke entirely in the form of aggressive sexual advances, and the way Creon reacts to her paints him as having an, an intense fear of strong women, or maybe even intimacy. You know, like I guess he gets over it though, as when the fight's over, Creon and Boudica sneak off together, away from prying eyes. Her idea. So earlier I said there was a larger point or two to all this. The first is to show us how far removed John is from the rest of the Lanterns. It, it's a world he used to walk in every day, and now he just doesn't seem to fit. Kilowog in particular is even depicted here as your larger-than-life, gosh-golly kind of guy, while John's more serious, monotoned, and cold. It's not that he lacks affect, he just doesn't play in the goofy part of superhero-dom anymore. <laughs> the second is that if you read this issue, you'll understand John's plans for the mosaic. He doesn't come out and say it, but he may as well have. Basically, you can't force people to work together. They'll just oppose it, and they'll lash out, both at you and at each other. So you have to make them need each other. Take the violence that's already there, that's always going to be there, and redistribute it in a way that doesn't collapse the whole civilization. You know, he gives the example of, of girders supporting a building. Now, whether that means John's going to have to manipulate people into conflicts with specific others remains to be seen, but I can see a greater good argument coming. And fortunately, we're back to John talking directly to us again, but only to open and close the issue. He literally sits off in the fourth wall breaking mosaic mode and then pulls back to interact with the more, you know, normal in Air Bunny's characters in the expected way. And then when the story's done, he goes back to talking with us for the final page. Um, he even tells us that the whole thing was a nice little distraction, but he'd better get back to the mosaic now. Like, this entire issue wasn't really an issue of mosaic, which you could almost argue it isn't, since John's basically stepping away from all things mosaic to re-inject himself into the larger Green Lantern core for a while, only bringing his mosaic sensibilities along with him for the ride. Um... Now, creatively, I know in a previous episode I commented on how this book had the same creative team all the way through, and I admit I was making that judgment basically on just kind of kind of skimming through covers, and this didn't really jump out at me at the time, but we've gone from Cully Hamner on pencils and Dan Panosian on inks to Trevor Scott and Chris Wozniak on pencils and Romeo Thangal and... Oh god, Gwang Yap on inks. So needless to say, this book got a complete visual overhaul for this issue. And it's just for this issue too, I think they're gone by the next issue. Um, my first reaction was basically the same as my first reaction to Kali Hamner's art, to hate it. But the more I think about this issue and page through the issue, the more I think it fits. Especially since this issue is more or less about briefly returning to the world of superheroes and it being weirdly, strangely not a fit. There's a nice visual touch where when John is on his own being his mosaic-y self, his body extends outside the panel borders. But when he has to interact with other lanterns, he brings himself back into the confines of the normal in Arabani's superhero comics. I think my favorite page in this whole issue is page one, where it hits you in the face with the art change. It's a full-page shot of John looking down on himself, saying to the reader, My God, why do I suddenly look so different.
Uh, and as I sit here flipping through the issue again, I actually forgot to read the letters page. <laughs> Okay, I've read the letters pages, and this was this was two straight pages of people just taking Gerard Jones to task for killing Chip. Oh my god, I I feel kind of sorry for this one guy who wrote in that when he heard the news that Chip was being brought back into the books, that he just gleefully ran to his comic store and and grabbed Mosaic number two off the shelf and. He just eagerly flipped through it just to see see what happens to the little fur ball, and then he opens right to the page with Chip lying in a pool of his own blood. I, I mean, I feel so sorry for that guy. He just had his heart broken in the middle of his LCS. Was, and, and that's kind of the, the across-the-board reactions to this. I mean, you, something you cannot do is blame them for only printing positive letters, because I think there's one in this entire thing. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, one person kind of zeroed in on one of uh, Jari Jones's comments in a previous, I think, pre-letters page column. You know, they had those in issue one and two, where he, he says, so let me see if I can find the quote... I cannot actually find it again, but it was the quote I, I've read it on the air in a previous episode too, where where Jar uh, Jones says something to the effect of I'm paraphrasing here that when I'm writing Green Lantern and it just stops making sense to me, I write Mosaic. And this one, this one reader who wrote in got so enraged at that. Is he misinterpreted to to think that Gerard Jones was saying that Green Lantern Mosaic was just his kind of stream of consciousness mind dump that he just he just lets out there just for therapeutic reasons and passes it off as an assignment, whereas he in his job doesn't have the luxury of doing that. He has to put everything he's got into his assignments, and and when you kill off <laughs> apparently one of his favorite characters on top of that attach that to that cri 